it's a beautiful day outside, and it's a great day to be alive. This is the day the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, our God is good. And when you woke up this morning, it was 110 degrees, and you knew you were alive. And you know something else? Being this hot here in Texas, we need to praise God that we know Jesus Christ, and we're not going to hell. Somebody say amen at If it's hot here, imagine how hot it is there. And let me tell you, you don't want to be there then. There's no air conditioner there. <laughs> There's no water there. There's no Spirit of God there. There's no fellowship there. There's no praise. There's no joy. There's no reason to keep on keeping on because there's no hope once you're in hell. But in Jesus Christ, we've got not only blessed hope, we've got that blessed presence, the blessed assurance. And I can't wait for one of these days. The sky's going to crack open and He's going to call us home. Amen? I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what God is doing. Well, let me just say right now, welcome to Water Stand Baptist Church. You're visiting with us. We want to welcome you. Ask you to take the time to fill up a little visiting card you'll find in front of you. Place in the altar place that comes around so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well. Ask you to consider coming and being a part right here in our worship service. Joining us physically in the sanctuary and seeing what God is doing at Water Stand Baptist Church. Well, my goodness, what is happening at Robertson Avenue? I am so glad you asked. There's always something going on at Robertson Avenue. Today, of course, at 430, we'll have fire practice in the fire room. 6 o'clock, we'll have our evening services right here in the sanctuary. Come and be a part of that as we look at a message called Why? Why? So let me stoke your interest in there, whet your appetite, however you want to say that, and invite you to come be a part of tonight's message. Uh, don't forget, Monday night experience with God, week 11, 6 o'clock, we'll get close to ending that study, but a new study is starting up called The Way of the Master. That's going to start around the end of August, right into September there. And it's a class on how to share your faith, how to personally share your faith. The way of the Master doing it, how Jesus did it, how Jesus shared his, uh, shared his faith with the people he met. So if you're interested in that, our books are about $5, I think slightly under $5. And so you are welcome to be a part of that. There'll be a sign-up sheet uh, on side of our Robertson Avenue website. You won't find it out before you, but you'll be able to sign up there and come and be a part of the way of the Master. You'll see more about that coming out soon. So those books are very affordable, and the class is something you don't want to miss. So come be a part of that. All right. Don't forget, ladies, you're getting ready to go out on the retreat. Can be in prayer for them. They're leaving out to August, I think, 4th and 5th. Is that right? And they're excited and getting ready for a wonderful time. And pray for them in there. And uh, pray for those husbands that are going to be home alone saying, how do I feed myself? <laughs> they're going to need God's direction in there. All right. Uh, wow, uh, God is doing good things in there, and pray for those families and kids that are be home alone. All right, we had a Operation Christmas Child crafting day yesterday that went very well. Got some beautiful pictures out of that. So thank you all for those that supported in that and those that are praying for that. To remind you that we are still collecting for our back to school supply drive there in the foyer. You'll find those boxes that are reflecting those school supplies. So please, certainly consider giving and being a part of that. We still have two of our baby bottles out from our baby bottle boom, uh, boomerang uh, offering. So if you have one of those bottles, please get them in as soon as possible. Just who you are at. So if that's you, you know who you are, bring them back. And we'll see that. You can drop them off in the office. You can leave them in the foyer. You can put them in the office place either way you want to. And uh, we'll get them back to where they belong right there. Uh, August 13th, y'all, we have an ice cream social coming back from back to school, celebrating going back to school. We're going to find some more information coming up about that. We need some homemade ice cream. It's going to be right after our evening services on the 13th. And in the back, in the sanctuary, you're going to find his 
bus is going to go up. And that school bus is going to have the pictures of all our students working at a new going school. And so what we're challenging you to do is to take one of those pictures off of the school bus, take it home, and that will be your commitment to pray for that student every day through the school year. Uh, not just that, but I think we can, uh, we're going to do teachers as well this year. So uh, pray for those teachers as well. God knows they need your prayers too. All right. With that being said, uh, I think that's about it for our upcoming events uh, this week. Whether you'll look to find some more uh, on our calendars and of course more on our website as well. And I invite you to take uh, time to be a part of that and see what God is doing. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, we please rise and welcome one another. But before we pray, I want to ask you to join this with one accord. My Bible tells me when two or three come together and agree, then God's going to do it for us. And you know what? We need rain. Amen? And so I'm going to ask you to pray with me for rain. If you're joining us online, pray with us for rain. And God will send rain to the city of Chicago, to the county of Coriel, to the state of Texas, and all across our nation. We need God's rain back in our land. So let's pray together. And after we pray, stand and, and welcome one another. Father God, we come to now in Jesus' name. Oh, how we thank you for this day. We want to thank you for your love, for your peace, for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that leads us, guides us, and directs us. I pray, Father, that right now you go with us to our time to worship and you allow us, Lord, to worship you in the Spirit. You will help us, Father God, to give all our hearts to you today. Help us to lift up the sun, Lord, so that the world will know that we worship and believe in you. Father, I also pray that you reach out and touch us in every heart, Lord, so that we may need to come to know your perfect Lord and Savior and save you that day. For those, Lord, who are out not feeling well today, those who are in the hospital right now, Lord, let them know that they are loved and they are prayed for. And I pray, Father, you bring them back to you. Lord God, right now, we come together as your bride, your body, your people. We collectively ask, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you send the rain to our land. Our tanks are dry, our farms are dry, our streets are dry, our streams and our rivers are going dry. Lord God, we need the rain. You told us, Lord, in your word. We who are your people will turn from our wicked ways, Lord. We will seek your face with all our hearts. You will heal our land. Help us, Lord God, to call upon you. And help us, Lord God, to trust in you. And help us, Lord God, to seek you with all of our hearts that you might heal our land, our land, Not only politically, Father God, but now physically. Now into our social issues, from our political issues to our social issues. And Lord, this year is going to be into our hearts. I pray, Lord God, you forgive. And I pray, Lord God, you provide that rain. And I pray you provide it too. But we ask this, and all God's children said, Rise and welcome one
if you would, please make your way back to your seats. I have a short video I'd like for you to see. But there is something I'd like to point out. She's watching us online, and today's her birthday. So I want you to wish with me from all your heart, happy birthday to this great song. Happy birthday. God bless you. Enjoy this video.
really no notion going around, especially here in the United States, though, even in our churches, even in our Baptist churches. The notion is you can find the verse of Jesus that fits the best. You know, those particular kind of people. They like to say, well, this Jesus fits me better than that Jesus. Or that Jesus I like better than this Jesus. In fact, once I remember spending time witnessing with somebody who was very, very, very educated. And she said, well, I don't believe in that Jesus. I believe she fits the Jesus. Not kidding you. So what we need to understand is there are different Jesus. And incidentally, you need to make sure you know the Jesus of the Bible. Amen? That's the Jesus you need to hold on to. The God you need to worship is the God of Israel, who has one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. He is the one we worship, and He's the one we serve without apology. So let's talk a little bit about holiness. Apparently, here in modern-day ages, in modern-day times, people have decided, well, I can pick and choose what I like or what I don't like about Jesus. And I can put together a picture of what I think God should be like. And if you were to put together a picture of how you think modern-day people look at God, you'd probably find something that's a, an older gentleman. He has a nice, long beard and says kindness. He has a twinkle in his eye. He sits on a rocking chair. He's infinitely patient. He's infinitely loving. He's infinitely accepting. And he never condemns. He never judges. Isn't that the picture nowadays of a godly person? Somebody who has absolutely no opinion on anything. They say, how can you judge on anything? And they even bring it to God. Then again, you got those people going after only God can judge me. I want to remind them, he will. He most certainly shall. There is this popular notion, even in modern day Christians, to find the version of Jesus that fits the best. And perhaps, perhaps you've seen the movie. I saw a little clip of one a couple of days ago that brought this message to life. I'm not going to tell you the name of it because I don't want you going out looking for it. Saw it in a, a, a comedy clip that popped up there. Well, uh, Characters choose which Jesus they praise to. And this is a movie where the family is having grapes over dinner. And let me tell you, it's a lavish dinner. But don't think of lavish as crystal lights and chandeliers or chandeliers or candles and things like that. No, lavish meaning they had just about every kind of fast food, every kind of soft drink they wanted. Lavish like that. And of course, the father of the house said, We're going to say grace. And he began to say grace. And of course, he began his prayer like this. Dear baby Jesus. Of course, as we prayed a few minutes, a discussion ensues about, well, I like my Jesus to do this. I like my Jesus to do that. One of them even said, I like my Jesus to wear a tuxedo shirt. You know, a t-shirt that looks like a tuxedo because he needs to be formal, but he needs to be ready to party because I like to party and I want my Jesus to party. family determined that they get to choose which Jesus they pray to. The point is this. Here in the United States, there is a million different versions of Jesus, and people are fans of Jesus. They are fans of Jesus. Even people who are far from God say, man, I like Jesus. People who don't even know who God is say they're fans of Jesus. They all agree that Jesus was a good God, that Jesus was a great teacher, and that Jesus had great ideas, and that Jesus embodied the way we should be. And they say, Jesus was a magnificent teacher. He showed us how 
we should live. Well, that's not Jesus thing to be looking at. They all agree. Like I said, that Jesus was a great teacher. They all agree that Jesus did great and wonderful things. They all agree that Jesus was an extraordinary man. And they all say, well, I'm a fan of Jesus. A fan of Jesus. In fact, that seems to be the American or modern day approach to Jesus too. I like Jesus. I like what he did. I like what he said. I like to look at the Bible. Let me tell you, when I got sick of one, uh, many years ago, I took a little Bible. So I was studying a little bit of language and studying a little bit of where languages came from, and I was given a Bible from the 1960s. And it was a Bible of the modern people. And he had Jesus dressed up like a hippie. I'm not kidding you. He was wearing a flowered shirt and shorts, and he was going around saying, Groovy, man. Not amen. He said, Groovy. You know what the Bible I'm talking about? Some of you seen that one. Thank God it didn't catch on in a lot of popularity. But these people were fans of Jesus. And I might describe Jesus. I just like what Jesus said. I like what Jesus did. I think going to church might make me a good person. If I follow after Jesus, I might find out his meaning of life. You guys are just the point of Jesus. not showing you how to live. Jesus is. Very well, make you dislike me. Let me be honest with you. In the Baptist world, that is something that happens to me often. In fact, you may not like my statement at all. But it's absolutely part of Jesus' system. You ready? Holiness, church, is not developed through loving Jesus, it is developed through the fear of God. Holiness does not come by loving Jesus. It comes through the fear of the Lord. And my Bible tells me that there is a highway, a highway of holiness that we need to be walking on. It's a highway that the saved are on. It's a highway that those who are going to Jesus are walking on. And if you're not on that highway, guess what? You're not there. You're not where you should be. And you're not going to be there by being a fan of Jesus. Now, it's one thing to know all about Jesus. And it's another thing to say, I'm a fan of Jesus. And it's another thing to say, man, I love Jesus. But it's completely, totally different to be a friend of God. And that's what we need to be this morning. Friends of God. See, Psalm 25, verse 14 tells us something amazing. There's a secret. This is New King James Version. Because the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. And He will show them His covenant. Now, if you were to read some more traditional translations, some of those that hold on to deeper Hebrew thought, it'll be this right here. The Lord reveals His thoughts to those who fear Him. In other words, the Lord confides. Listen to me now. The Lord confides in those who fear Him. Again, verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. The whole idea is God reveals His thoughts, He reveals His plan, He reveals what He's going to do to those who fear Him. Not those who are fans of Him. Because deep down inside, we're all fans of God. And I get it, though. I love that everybody's a fan of Jesus. Everybody stands up and says,
because, man, he's a good man. Oh, he was a good teacher. Oh, he did great things. Wouldn't it be great if we all loved like that? God's not looking for family. God is looking for sinners. If you're going to be a friend of God, you've got to understand something about holiness. Because when you're a friend of God, you're going to find out that you're going to be made holy. Now, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. Remember what we're talking about there. The Lord confides in those who fear Him. It seems that we don't know what that means anymore. In fact, the more and more I talk to Christians today, we don't really know what the fear of the Lord is. And we don't know that the fear of the Lord leads to holiness. Incidentally, I need you to understand something. It's not the love of Jesus that leads you to holiness, but the fear of the Lord that leads you to holiness. I guess that begs the question this morning before we get any further. How do you know? Well, holiness literally means you set apart for God. Or to be set apart to be used by God. Can I ask you a question? Is that what I would do this morning? Could you say, I'm set apart for God's use, I'm set apart for God, for God to take a hold of and use any time He sees fit? Are you one of those that says, God can't use me because I'm busy? God can't use me because I'm tired. You know what? We find that now in modern day Christianity. God saves me. God provides for me. God protect me. God give me, give me, give me. But don't you dare use me. I'm tired, Lord. I haven't worked in seven years, but I'm tired. Don't like this. I need to amen in a Baptist church. That is moving all over the face of the United States of America. I don't have a job. I don't have anywhere to go. I stay up till 3 or 4 o'clock every morning. And then how dare you expect me to get up at 1030 to come worship you, God? And then the first word of saying it, I'm tired. I had a busy and a hard week. Well, God bless your heart. And I mean that in a southern way. Somebody say amen. Get up off your lazy bull tuckers and get yourself out to work and get yourself back in a relationship with God. Now it seems that we don't know what holiness means anymore. We want God to snap his fingers and make us into something that we think we should be. We want him to be like a genie, right? You love, rub the lamp and get three wishes. Or we want him to wave a magic wand. And that's because we're watching the beauty part of things we shouldn't be. Like I said before, loving Jesus doesn't bring about holiness. Having a relationship with Jesus does. It's the fear of the Lord that leads to holiness. So what is holiness? Holiness literally means to be set apart for God. Most Christians have combined what holiness is with their salvation experience. I'm going to break it down for you for just a minute there. Just, just to be Christianity 101 here. Uh, when you get saved, it's called justification. When you become a Christian, you get justified to God. You get justified by God. You get justified because of God. You get justified because of what God did. Not anything you did, but what He did. You get Justified, And that is your salvation is your justification. Meaning you can come into the presence of God because Jesus justifies you. However, we can see that with sanctification. Sanctification is a process. It's a process where Christians grow. It's a process where Christians are supposed to grow and get 
wants the meat of God's Word, not just on the milk. Incidentally, you ever met an adult who eats nothing but milk? And, well, it does happen on occasion. And let me tell you something. They require somebody to take care of them. I think it's amazing nowadays. You can pull up your telephone and say, I want to see grown men who eat nothing but milk. Take a look at these little skinny men. Look at them saying, somebody take care of me. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying about somebody who's sitting in the I'm saying about somebody who says, I want to act like a baby for the rest of my life. That is a spirit that's in our modern day church. We have forgotten that God wants us to become holy. God wants us to walk on the highway of holiness. And somewhere down the line, though, we don't want to step out of justification and move into sanctification. Instead, we want to stay in justification. The other thing I find out is that most Christians have combined justification with sanctification. But they are two different things. Entirely two different things. Justification, as I said earlier, is when you get saved and have Jesus into your heart, you've been justified or made right with God. In other words, Jesus paid for all your sins, past, present, and future. It's easy to remember justification. You can say like this, just as if I had never sinned. Amen? That's how you remember justification. But once you have been justified, or once you have justification, this is when sanctification begins. This is when what was done on the inside begins to manifest itself on the outside. Sanctification is the process of becoming holy. But you, sorry for the title here, but you can't get there without the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean that I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't obey. It means, because you're a Christian, and you should understand this, it means that I love Him so much and that He is so good that I am terrified. I'm afraid that I will be separated from Him. That's what sanctification is. I don't want to do anything that might cause any sort of separation in my relationship with Him. Why? Because I love Him. Why? Because He's so good. Why? Because my spirit now is I wouldn't say I'm preaching to the choir, but they all left me and went down in the pew. Here's the deal, though. We like to mix up our justification with sanctification. When deep down inside, what we need to start focusing on after we get justified is being sanctified. And sanctification is a picture of what happened inside coming out on the outside. Why? Because I love Him so much. Because He is so good to me. And I'm afraid that whatever happens when I step out of His will, when I when I say no to reading His Word, when I don't have my prayer time or my relationship with Him, that the separation begins. That's the process of sanctification. See, sin is what separates us from God. Now, you've got it right, Christian. Sin is what separates a sinner from Jesus Christ. Sin is what separates a non-Christian from God. Look at me. 
in Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He will not hear. Please understand, it's your sin that separates you from God. It's your sin that separates you from Jesus. And as a Christian, when we decide to let sin into our Christian life, it causes a problem in our relationship with God, and therefore a separation. Holiness, though, is what gets us Holiness, God. You say, show me some scripture on it. Let's take a look at Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace, says the writer of Hebrews. Pursue peace with all people. Let me stop right there. You got a conflict? You got a conflict with somebody? Pursue peace right now. If you're sanctified and you want sanctification, pursue peace with all people. And, uh oh, don't say it, John. Don't say it, Pastor. Don't say it, Preacher. I don't want to hear it. And holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness. Pursue peace. That means if you're a Republican, you need to make peace with Democrats. If you're a Democrat, you need to make peace with Republicans. If you're an independent, well, you need to hush up and let us work on this. Ha, <laughs> Oh my goodness, actually, let's be honest for just a second. The moment you become a politician, you're no longer trustworthy. Can I get an amen on that? Politicians, my goodness, have you heard about them? Really and honestly, let me give you the latest statistics of our politicians just to have a little fun here. I'm not being political, so don't get mad at me. Just a little fun, little little joke right here. But right now, the latest Barna survey, the latest huge survey that's out there, 80% of Americans do not like their congressmen or their senators. That means 20%. That's two out of ten people actually like their senators or congressmen. That means they've got to have relatives somewhere. <laughs> That's it. 80% don't like them. You know what, though? If you're going to be close to God as possible, you've got to pursue peace with all people. You've got to understand what pursuing peace is. Number one, that means if you got something against somebody, get rid of it. Because that's going to come between you and God later on. Two, if somebody has something against you, work to have peace with them. It may not be your fault, but do everything in your power to have a peaceful existence with them. Number three, if you understand the word peace inside the New Testament, there's only one way to have peace with God. Are you hearing me this morning? There's only one way to have peace with God, and that is to bring Jesus Christ to those that are at war with God, those that have carnal minds with God, those that are not Christian. That means you pursue peace with them. You bring Jesus to them. You do. You want holiness? You want to have your relationship right with God? Then get up again off your rear end and start sharing the gospel. This town is full of Muslims. It's full of wicked. You know, we got a witchcraft store here in Congress Coast. Did you know we are getting flooded with homosexuality? Why? Because the church has been quiet for far too long. Well, we're supposed to pursue peace with all people. Love them. Love them enough to tell them the truth. Love them enough to share Jesus with them. Incidentally, holiness, that's part of it, without which no one will see the Lord. There is, however, when it comes to holiness, a couple of thoughts you need to think of when it comes to holiness. And we've got into the sermon yet. Positional holiness and behavioral holiness. Positional holiness, well, justification is the positional holiness. Jesus came 
example, when I married Betsy Doodle, she became my wife. I am not constantly pursuing her to become my wife anymore, thank God. That is who she is. That means I don't have to go around saying every day, will you marry me? Will you marry me? Can I ask buy your new diamond ring? Buy your new engagement ring. I don't have to do that. You've been married to me for 25 years, and guess what? Tomorrow she's going to be married to me. You better be married to me. <laughs> we don't have to do that anymore. That is her position. She is my wife. And when you become a Christian, you don't have to go around saying, God saved me, or God, I've lost my salvation, because that is your position in Jesus Christ. Once saved, always saved. You can't lose it because you could never earn it. And if you can't earn it, then there's nothing you can do to She became my wife. I don't have to constantly pursue a wedding with her anymore. Now, what happens when I become married, though, is my behavior changes. That means I can't act like a single guy anymore. Go figure it out. Some of you need to hear that out there. Go like this. If you're watching online and you're acting like you're not married, then you know something? You need to hear what I'm preaching. You need to stop acting like that and start becoming a married man. Incidentally, if you're acting like a non-Christian, you need to quit acting like a non-Christian and start acting like one because it's reflective of your position. Now that I'm married to Betsy, I can't act like a single guy anymore. I can't give out my phone number to other girls. Incidentally, if you were to get a bulletin, you got my phone number. Once, once y'all was doing a, a seminar in Detroit, Michigan. They love the way I said Detroit. I always said Detroit. Here comes the cowboy. Detroit, Michigan. I was doing a salvation seminar on, on evangelism, on how to share the gospel. And I got about 25, 30 people there. That was so disappointing. But when I was leaving out, I remember coming home and telling Betsy about this. I was leaving out. A lady started chasing me. She did. She started chasing me. Boy, my head got big. You know? Anyway, this 80-year-old lady. <laughs> she got me. <laughs> I've never met anybody who knew this in life. That is so beautiful. You know why? She got me. 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 And as a saved, born again, blood part of being Christian, there's some truths we need to know about. Number one, if you got your pencil, write this down. If you don't, put it on your brain and then put it on your refrigerator door later on. Number one, this is something you need to learn. As a blood part of being born again Christian, this is something you need to understand. That as a Christian, we come together as the church, and the church will not be defeated by the gates of hell. That means we have nothing to fear. We're tired of being afraid of politics. We're tired of being afraid of ideas. We're tired of being afraid of false teachings of scientists. We're tired of being afraid of it. All we've got to do is trust in God's Word, and His Word will never come back void. Number two. Number two is the Christian. Not only do we need to trust in God's Word, but number two, that work always around and I keep on working. That means if God's working, you should be working. Let me tell you something, blood-bought, born-again, born-again, redeemed Christian. Open your eyes and see where God is working. Go and join Find out where He's working and make sure your life is working. You 
really hard to share Jesus with somebody when you're not offering Jesus on your phone. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? I don't know about you, but I think there's nothing greater than going out to eat. Amen? I only got a few amens on it. All the fat people said amen. Nothing greater than that. That's one of the greatest fears in the world. But you go there, and they bring out something on the plate that you didn't ask for. One of the last time. Let me give you an example. They bring out a plate that doesn't have food on it, but instead has somebody's old cigarette that's stuck on that fork. Lipstick stain on the glass. Dried rice on your plate. You're probably not going to eat there. Wrapped around the spoon is an old head. He's like, no, see, that's what happens when we try to offer Jesus when we're not holy. That is what happens. You need to be blood-bought, born again in your position, and you need to start living the way He told us to live. Number three. I didn't know that was the way to go. Number three. You will be what you eat. Everybody get that? You are what you eat. Now, you can take a look at you and say, Pastor, you're a big pointy. Here's the deal. You're going to regurgitate. You are. What you're feeding your soul on is going to come back out. So what you're watching on TV, what you're teaching your children, is going to come back out in the things that you say, in the things that you do, how you behave. That's the point of holding. You live godly, you act godly, you talk godly, you behave godly, Yeah. Now that I'm married to Becky, I have to act married. I can't act like a single guy anymore. I can't give out my number or flirt with girls anymore. Amen. Based on my new position, my behavior has to change. It has to change. If you are a Christian and you love Jesus and your behavior hasn't changed, since you've accepted Him, then something is radically wrong in your relationship with Jesus. It has to change. Now, I love that there are so many fans of Jesus out there today. They think they can be alcoholic Christians. They think they can be drug addicted Christians. They think they can be homosexual Christians. They think they can be thieving Christians. They think they can be adultery Christians. They think they can be fornicating Christians. And I want you to know something. God's not looking for fans. Looking for friends. And the more we love Jesus, the closer it should push us to His Father. And the closer we get to the Father, the more we realize we don't love God out of fear, we fear God out of love. Now, we began this morning looking at the highway of hope. Remember that we are supposed to be walking on this highway. Isaiah 35, 8 to 10, a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road of those, the fool shall not go astray. No lion will be there, no ravenous beast, they will not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk. The ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy in their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Like the end. How can we travel this highway? 
Remember that picture of a highway that's called Elijah. Now, Isaiah talks to us about walking. That was his means of travel in those days. And incidentally, it's still a means of travel for us, and some of us need to do a little more walking. God knows I do. Here's my point, though. Nowadays, in the year 2023, we don't even have to walk. We can get in the car and go somewhere. We can travel the highway to where we need to get. And so we need to find out our vehicle of traveling. We need to find out our means of traveling. So look with me, please, in Ephesians chapter 2. And look with me in verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, For by grace we have been saved through faith. Now, a lot of times we forget that. We love to preach that. By grace you've been saved. And we talk about that all the time. But we forget that the vehicle that salvation came through is faith. By grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves is to give to God, not a work which anyone should boast. How you got saved is by grace through faith. How you walk that highway is faith. You walk through it in faith. You have to travel in faith. Faith is like your car, and you're out there on the highway, and you're traveling, and you're moving. And when you get out of faith, then you find out that you're, what you're doing is getting yourself out of your vehicle. Sometimes the road is bumpy, I know. Sometimes we have flat tires, I know. Sometimes we run out of gasoline, I know. Sometimes people cut us off, and we want to have road rage. Sometimes they get real close to our foot. Sometimes they're talking on the phone and not watching where they're going. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody say amen this morning. That's how we travel this road, down in the vehicle of faith. That means we're moving where God wants us to be. And sometimes, though, we get tempted. Sometimes we get tempted to get out of the vehicle. You know, you ever been driving down Highway 190, or is it, what is it, 14 now? You're traveling down Highway 14, and someone's walking on the side of the road, and you're like, I should stop and pick that guy up. And then they say, no, I shouldn't. Bad things happen nowadays. Well, let me ask you a question. How odd did it seem with all those cars moving, all those cars going at 70, 75 miles an hour, and then that one person is out there walking? Does that describe your relationship with God this morning? Have you left the vehicle of faith and you're trying to walk on your own to get where you need to be? Let me tell you, you're not going to get there on your own power. You're going to run out of steam. You're going to run out of energy unless you get back in the vehicle, unless you get back in the car. Then you ain't going to get where you need to be. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If you have had a problem in your vehicle here lately, you had a flat tire in your face, ran out of gas, whatever the case may be, some sort of car trouble in your vehicle, then you need to get back inside, let God do the repairing of your face, get back on the road and get to where God has you I'll just get where I need to go without you, God, and we need that vehicle alone. We start moving, don't we? You know what? It's modern-day Texas, year 2023, so literally two blocks later, we're like, I should have left that car. You know what we start thinking now? Where's my air conditioner? <laughs> if it's cold outside, we start thinking, where's my heater? Because some of us are really spoiled. Right? Where's my heated seat? Yeah. I remember the last truck I had before this one, I still had roll-up windows. I got some of the in the windows of my truck. They're like, how do you roll down the window? They just say roll down and say, how do you get the window to go down? Pastor's like, you got to roll it down. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you got to take that handle and roll it down. They were having sweating and perspiring trying to get that window down full of soap. <laughs> you remember how hard that was? You had to work for that reward to get that air in there. 
Here's the deal, though, church. If you leave your vehicle of faith, you're going to find out you left the comfort of God's Word, left the comfort of God's house, left the comfort of God's people, and you're still traveling down the road, though, thinking, I can make it on my own. You're not going to make it on your own. You can't make it on your own. You will never get to where you're supposed to be till you get back inside of the vehicle of faith. Look at me again in Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Get back in there. When we step out of faith, then what we are is broke down on the highway. We're supposed to be traveling this highway of holiness, and we're supposed to act like we're holy people. We're supposed to be God's people, set apart, usable by God. But instead, we end up with car trouble. We end up with road trouble. We end up with other driver trouble, and we decide we're going to get out of the car and make it on our own. When deep down the side, we're never supposed to get out of the car. Look at me in 1 Timothy 1.9. This was a vehicle which some of them went on. Timothy 1.19 here. The Bible says, as, as Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, having faith in a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith, having suffered shipwreck. A lot of them didn't use cars. They used boats in those days. And let me tell you, you can still have trouble on the sea as much as you can on the highway. You can have all kinds of sea trouble. You ever heard of pirates? You ever heard of taxes? Somebody going, yes, right. There's all kinds of troubles that come your way. And you should not get out of the boat. You're supposed to stay where God told you to be. But when you do, you suffer shipwreck. Can I ask you a question? Have you been saying, Pastor? I started out really good in my process. I was justified. Justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a sweet mind. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I wasn't justified. I still am justified. I know, truly and honestly, when I made my decision to Christ that day in the street, somewhere down the line, I disagreed with Pastor, I disagreed with Deacon, I disagreed with Sunday school teacher, I disagreed with another church member, and I stepped out of the car and I started walking down the road saying, I don't need this. I don't need anything. This is it. Remember Hebrews 11 6, without faith it's impossible to please if you want to be a friend of God, you need to get back to you. you need to start acting like what you are. Blood born again, redeemed. Come on back. God has a way of fixing broken hearts. God has a way of patching back time. God has a way of rebuilding shipwreck. God has a way of taking what we think is unusable. relationship. Not a religion, not a philosophy, not a way of life, but your relationship with God. If you're willing to come today and say, Jesus, I believe. Or perhaps you say, Brother John, I am a Christian. I am walking right with God, but I need that church home. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I need my baptism. Whatever the case may be, we're going to ask you to come. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to ask you to humble yourself and come and share that good news with us. Let's pray together. How we thank you for your word. And Lord God, we ask you to take charge right now. Have you anyone who needs to come to know you? Anyone who needs to get their heart right with you? Let's pray you that Anyone who needs to be a part of this church? Anyone, Lord God, that needs to surrender to you? We give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We come as we sing just.
Rejoice with her. Pray for her. Support her in that decision. Would you say amen? <laughs> so she's coming. She says, I need to be baptized. Yeah. You're going to support her and pray for her in that Would you say amen? So I'm going to ask her to bear some time with you and get the time in prayer. So I'll stick right up over there. We're going to make that happen as soon as we can. Sister Joni, come on. Church, you know Joni, she's been coming for quite a bit. She has moments where she can't come, moments she can come. And you know what? She sometimes has to have a lot. And she's here today and she says, I need to rededicate my life and I want to be baptized. <laughs> if you're going to love her, support her, and pray for her in that decision, would you say amen? We're going to make that happen as well. It looks like we've got a couple of baptisms coming up. So be in prayer for us in that. Thank you. 